Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. You're tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And on this episode, we have Mike Haggerty joining us. He's an actor of television and movies. He's appeared in countless titles from movies you know like Overboard, So I Married an Axe Murderer, Wayne's World, Austin Powers, to a lot of the popular television shows like Friends, Seinfeld, Boston Legal, Desperate Housewives, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, just to name a few. So it's a great pleasure to welcome Mike Haggerty. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for uh, tooting my horn there. I mean, that's really that's really nice of you. It's, uh, it sounds a lot more impressive than I think it is, but you did a nice job with it. Thank you. Well, thanks. <laughs> so I think most stories are best from the beginning. Your roots are in Chicago. What was the day in, day out like for you growing up? Well, it was, uh, you know, pretty um, uh, blue collar. My father was a Chicago policeman, and uh, as was my grandfather. He, uh, he, my grandfather, all, all four of my grandparents came from Ireland, and uh, the my on my father on my mother's side, he was he was a Chicago policeman, and uh, she taught school in Ireland and also um, here in the states. And then he was a grand uh, he was a uh, policeman during the Al Capone era in Chicago. And uh, then my father came along, and uh, he joined after World War II. Was stayed on until like 1976. And my mother was a crossing guard, and uh, so I come from very blue collar roots on the south side of Chicago. And you know, just uh, I thought it was a pretty average uh, thing growing up there. It was kind of unique in many ways. The fact we're having our grade school reunion, which is kind of, I think is kind of unique anyways. Uh, I'm not sure if I can make it in this year, but it'll be 50 years since we graduated from grade school, and a lot of the kids are coming back. In fact, a lot of the kids never even left the neighborhood. They either bought the house next door, or they bought the house across the street, or they actually inherited their parents' homes. So a lot of them stayed in the na- neighborhood, so I'm kind of curious if I can, if I can clear the time, I might try to go back and just touch base with them because I mean I really kept in contact with quite a few of them over the years and uh, the neighborhood is uh, you know it's different but uh, in many ways the same. So what does Chicago mean to you? Well it's uh, meant a lot to me you know I mean literally because I mean every since my family came over from Ireland I mean you know the, the city of Chicago basically provided them their sustenance they were you know, they all worked in some respect. Uh, on my side, worked for the Chicago Transit Authority. He was a brakeman on the old uh, cable cars they used to have, or, you know, the streetcars. And so, I, you know, they came here around the turn of the century. Both both families came over about 1912. And the city provided them with work. I mean, it's provided them with uh, protection. Uh, uh, I mean, family. It's... Uh, I'm really tied into it a lot, not just uh, you know because I was born there, but emotionally I have ties. I, I really feel that it's definitely my home. I mean, even to this day, I still follow all the Chicago sports teams. I still get back if they're in the playoffs and try to spend some time there. I spent more time there when my folks were still alive, but uh, I still get back uh, three, four, or five times a year just to sort of recharge my batteries. 
If I had to bet my money, I would say that you're a Cubs fan. Well, you know, I I was lucky in that respect. I was born on the West Side. Now, you know, normally when you think about the Cubs and the Sox, you think, you know, the West Side is sort of a neutral area. I mean, you can pick your team. Generally, if you're from the South Side of Chicago, you're a White Sox fan. If you're from the North Side of Chicago, you're a Cubs fan. Now, in my case, I was born on the West Side, and then we had to move out to the we moved out to the South Side. My father had to stay in the city uh, at the time, and I think it's still the law in Chicago that if you work for the city, draw a paycheck from them, you have to live within the city limits. So we moved out to the South Side, and I, when I was a kid, I went and saw a lot of Sox games because, frankly, it was just you know closer to the to my home. We lived in an area called Morgan Park or Beverly, uh, and um, it was just closer, easier to go there. But my dad was a Cubs fan, and we got up to Wrigley Field every once in a while. But if uh, my first baseball game that I remember as a kid was going to see the White Sox play at 35th and Shields. So as I got older, we, uh, you know, I started working in Second City, and they had a relationship with the Cubs, and the Cubs were doing really well back in 84. The whole team kind of turned around. You could walk in that ballpark and sit anywhere you wanted to up until 1984. And then things changed. So I'm one of those rare breeds that I actually I like both teams. I, I, I haven't declared for one or the other. But I guess just by birthright, I suppose, I'd have to say that I'm a Southsider. <laughs> so you just mentioned a second ago the second city. Yeah. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about what you learned from that experience, and also just maybe a, a story from that time. Well, I learned a lot. You know, I was at the University of Illinois uh, in Chicago and studying theater there, and uh, Jim Belushi was finishing off. I think he was at Eastern Illinois University, and he was going to the University of Illinois, Chicago, to get some credits to finish out his degree. I don't think he finished uh, in, at Eastern so I ran into him, and we were actually doing some improvisation. We were studying improvisation, but not like Viola Spolin and uh, Paul Sills or the Second City style. This was actually going back to the Italian Renaissance when they were doing things that they actually, I think they called them Lazzis. I think it was, you know, it was just little scenarios, or they would literally ask the audience for suggestions, and then they would uh, use their stock types to play these different characters, and the audience knew what kind of behavior to to get from these stock types. And that tied in very closely to what Second City did. I mean, all, a lot of the characters at Second City are uh, stock types because you only have a few seconds to establish who you are and then take a scene and then improvise it. So I was improvising there, and Jim saw me, and he said that he was in the touring company at um, the Second City, and I should really get up there on a Monday night and see them perform. I think it cost like a buck and a half to go see the touring company on a Monday night. And I had heard of Second City, but I, I was always thinking of myself more as a scripted actor. I, I sort of figured the idea of improvising or, do, or doing it without a net, you know. With the, so anyways, I went up and saw him on a Monday night, and uh, he and his company were doing the, the actors perform. Monday night is the night off for the main stage. Jim was in the touring company. Uh, it was my first introduction to Second City, and I sat there, and I just dropped my jaw. I said, you know, this is... This is really what I want to do, you know, and sort of opened a whole new world for me. And what Second City teaches you, you know, I mean, some people almost talk of it as being like a school, and it is a school in some respects, but 
you do it all yourself. I mean, you, you find out who you are. And I think that's what, uh, why one of the keys to, as to why it's so successful. Because you go there and you, you just have, you know, just yourself. You get the suggestions from the audience. And then throughout the, the, the time that you're there, you improvise uh, five of the, of the six nights that you work. And you figure out who the best Mike Haggerty is, how, who, who, what characters are, are his, what, what, what you can own. And so then when you finally put up a review, those are scenes that are based on your experiences and, and things. So it really just um, sort of lets you discover who you are. And that's, a, that's invaluable as far as this business is concerned. I'm curious when you encounter or when you work with somebody who was a, a fellow Second City person like i don't know let me throw out an example like bonnie hunt is there is there a kinship like a a fraternity kind of is it like oh a fellow second city or yeah there is you know bonnie was just coming in when i was leaving there it takes a while to get work your way up to the main stage so i knew bonnie and she was in the touring company or one of the touring companies behind me and uh bonnie always stuck out she's very talented you know and we uh, we became friends before we started working together, and you do have a certain shorthand, you know, it, that you that you develop at Second City. If you work with a Second City actor, uh, and they pair you up on something else, you know, you sort of you don't really have it's not languages or cliches, but your method is uh, is very similar. So you can take uh, the short road to get to the essence of the scene, hopefully. And uh, so then later on, when Bonnie was having a lot of her success and things like that, she would also reach out to me or to other people that worked at Second City and hire them for different projects. And that saves you a lot of time, too. I mean, it saves you a lot of time in the casting. You don't have to get to know each other. You have a certain amount of chemistry that you just sort of understand. And you have a similar background, you know, so... So Bonnie and I have, become, you know, have remained lifelong friends, and uh, and it all started back there at Second City. At the top of the interview, I was listing just some of the movies and some of the TV shows that you've done. Mm-hmm. Could you put a number on it? How many total credits do you have? Well, I, I'm not exactly sure, uh, you know, uh, but I know I think it's over 100 credits on TV uh, alone, and then. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on the movies, you know, I I know it's north of uh, of 30, but I'm not exactly sure. Exactly sure, you know. Maybe I should count them, I don't know, you know, but uh the but a lot of the work has been in TV and um and I think at least 30 movies. But a lot of those things in movies and also in TV, I mean, you take them as a credit. Some of them, you know, were larger than others and some were just, you know, a couple lines here, a couple lines there. Maybe one episode here, but uh, you know it's all work, you know, so it all adds up. So you know it's uh, it's been a lot. I've been you know been I've been very fortunate. But that, again, that goes back to the Second City training, and uh, also you know it's nice. It's always a good thing if you work with somebody and they want to work with you again, and so that's that that's always nice. Well, what about somebody else that makes you think, "Gosh, I hope I work with him again," or "I hope I work with her again." What do you look for? in a collaborator? Well, you know, it's all depends on what kind of project you're working on. Uh, you know, the, if you're improvising, you know, I'll take any, 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 anyone from Second City that's gone through the, 
the training and also has appeared on the main stage or the second stage there. It's called uh, Chicago's uh, ETC. That's the backstage at Second City, and it's by no means a second string. I mean, it's just another stage. There's so much talent there in Chicago, and so many people are coming there from all over the, the world nowadays. Enjoyed working with with all of them, and I remained friends. I got to say, with just about I'm not, absolutely everybody that I've worked with, you know. So I look forward to seeing them, and it's nice to see them, you know, at happy occasions when somebody's uh, daughter gets married or things like that, you know. But we're uh, we're, we're definitely a, a family, you know. So and or fraternity, or uh, there's so many words that you can can use for it, you know. But uh, boy, I'll, I'll tell you, it's just great to see everybody. It really is. Now, this one might be a hard question, but could you say that of all the TV and movie uh, jobs that you've done, has there been that was there has there been one that was a most satisfying project to work on? You know, I I really enjoyed working on the George Carlin show. You know, um, you know, it was great just being on that set. We did it for about a year and a half, and uh, you know, you got to see George Carlin every day and. George was a great, great human being. I mean, really was. And you know, he brought his family in there. His brother Patrick was always around there and things like that. I mean, you know, uh, uh, his daughter was there, Kelly. And, you know, not not that Kelly was, uh, she was a, a woman by then. She wasn't just a little girl that was hanging around the set. But she was contributing. But we had a great work relationship with, with all of us on the set. We all loved each other. And I... I Loved being in there from Monday to Friday, and then I didn't look forward to the weekends because those that meant days we didn't get to hang out together. I mean, there was just a a great crew, you know, and really, really enjoyed it. So, I mean, when you ask me that question, I mean, that, that's the first thing that that leaps to my mind. It was uh, just a great experience, and then just to be around George and listen to him, and you know, his asides and his jokes, and and uh, just his humanity. He was a you know, uh, a lot of people think that uh, that that the character he portrayed on stage was him, uh, like a curmudgeon or something like that. But he was he was he wasn't that at all, and that was a bit of a persona. But I mean, you you got to know him. He was just a soft-hearted, generous um, man, and so that that's what pops to my head when you ask me that. Who would you say you would like to work with that you haven't yet? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, well, there's so many of my, uh, let's see, people that I like to work with. Um, I, got, I, I did work a little bit with Marty Short on, on a short-lived uh, TV show that he had. I always look at that. I mean, Steve Martin would be, would be very high on my list. Um, I have a, a, a tremendous amount of respect for him. I know that he and Marty are traveling around the country doing a show, or they were until recently. I think they filmed it for HBO. There's, you know, uh, there's so many people I admire, but I've been lucky enough to to work with so many of the great people. I mean, I actually even had an opportunity to work with uh, Jackie Gleason, who is very high on my list of uh, of people that I admire. Uh, he, I was in his last film called Nothing in Common, and uh, with Tom Hanks and, and himself. So we got a chance to, I got a chance to meet him, you know. So there's just, you know, um, I've worked with a lot of the really good, good people. And 
I'm glad there's still really good people out there that I would like to work with, but uh, that's, you know, but Steve Martin would be, would uh, probably be at the top of the list. I wanted to ask you about a couple of the, the shows that you were on that, to me, were memorable. Sure. Every now and then, I'll run into people about town here, and they'll say, so, who you got coming on next? Or, what's next? What's on What's on deck? And when I told them about you, and I would show your picture, everybody had a different, oh, that's the guy from fill-in-the-blank. Right. <laughs> but, but tell us about your memories of the curb your enthusiasm yeah that was great i mean i you know i had worked with larry david uh, on uh, on seinfeld i did a uh episode it was an hour-long episode and uh it you know it it's been split up into two episodes when they syndicated uh so you know but the hour-long episode i mean it was it was it was uh i think it was called the raincoats i think it was called indeed and a and it had something to do also with, uh, yeah, I think something to do with them going to see Schindler's List or something too. That was the same episode. They sort of bleed into each other after after all the years, you know. So, but you know, so I, I had worked with uh, with Larry on that show, and uh, it was an hour long episode. So it took us, uh, I, I think. Nine or ten days to rehearse it because the you know they, the the time they usually allow for those things is one week, and it's a half an hour. So we did this all in one block, and they split it up into two episodes for the uh, for the syndication. And uh, so I had a rapport with with Larry, and I also know Jeff Garland from Chicago. Jeff was behind me at the Second City, but we knew Jeff was doing mostly stand up in Chicago at the time, and I think he was working in the touring company. And so we had a relationship, you know, we were friends. Uh, I was moving on. I was probably going off to Los Angeles at that time or maybe to New York after I had left Second City. But we kept in touch over the years. So Jeff is uh, not only plays Larry's uh, manager on the show, but he also is a producer. So they brought me in, and uh, when you work with Larry David, it's, he he gives you a scenario. He's got an idea in his head that he how uh, which way the show is supposed to go, and he kind of tells you an outline of what that is, and then you improvise, uh, you know, to to get to that to that scene. Now I was very lucky in that uh, I was able to when he told me you know what you know what he wanted and where he where what has to be what what points have to be hit in order to move the action along. I was able to give him what he needed. You know, there was a, a scene. Where I just he said his direction to me was take over the the dinner at this uh, at at uh, Larry's home. So I said okay, all right. That that was a suggestion, much like getting a suggestion at the the theater in Chicago at the Second City. And so I just ran with it, you know. And uh, and at his home, I start uh, saying grace using the Catholic grace and take over the the t- sit in what would normally be the host seat. I just take I took the seat and sort of, you know, imposed myself upon his dinner. And it was just, he was very, very, very happy with that. You know, that, that was just fine. So I gave him what he wanted, and we got out of there pretty quickly. You know, we it, it, that's what he needed. I don't know if it was exactly what he had in mind, but whatever I came up with was was fine with him. And then we moved on, you know, and then we would move down later on to the Amco uh, 
the station, and uh, then we had another scene there. Again, he gives you the scenario or the idea of what points you have to sort of hit, and then we improvised, and we got out of there pretty quickly, too. So it was a very fun week, and, and uh, I mean, I, I really look back on it with, with a, a lot of affection, and because I gave him what he wanted, and it worked, I think it worked very well for the show. Is there a facet of what you do, a part of acting that you find the most gratifying? Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, I like doing some of the dramatic things too. You know, I mean, I know that people say that you know that uh, you know, comedy is you know is hard is, is harder to do than than um, than not uh, tragedy would would be giving it a little bit too much, but doing serious acting, uh, I don't see much much difference between the two you know i think it's just that you're hired to do a job and you try to do it to the best of your abilities you know good writing is very very helpful because good writing is like a road map it tells you it, you know it gives you all the points and if it's funny if it sounds funny on the page you can make it you know you're going to either make it funny or make it uh, or, or embellish it and make it even better um, but I also enjoy enjoy doing the, the dramatic parts too, and, if, and uh, I've had an opportunity to do a couple of those in some of the uh, ninety minute shows. Uh, what comes to mind is like Boston Legal was one I was able to do that on, and uh, there was another one of David Kelly's shows. He gives me a chance every once in a while, and just to do you know, just uh, to use your dramatic chops, you know. So, so the the most gratifying thing is to is not necessarily to be funny or to be dramatic but to just to when you get done and you're you know and you're you're going home you're halfway there and you say I, I i i touched all the bases i did a i was happy with that that was a good day so that's you know and you wake up the next day and go on to the next project we're talking with actor mike haggerty who would you say taught you the most about acting other actors i think you know watching them working with them there was a lot of teachers at second city bernie Sollins comes to mind of course everybody talks about dell close i was in dell's workshops i got kind of um i think i got kind of lucky with dell i mean there was you know when i when i was there there was you know there was workshops all right there was a couple of workshops that were going on but it wasn't like the the structure that they have nowadays where they have these different levels and people have to go through and frankly, I don't know how anybody get, makes it through all those levels and gets uh, gets to the main stage. I mean, when I when I was there, there was a couple of actors that were in front of you, maybe in a couple of touring companies or or maybe in uh, the Chateau Louise company, and you could uh, sort of progress through. And some of it was just, you know, if you were lucky enough to look a bit like the person that you were replacing. Now, when I was there. Uh, I would fill in for people like George Went, uh, and, uh, and George would, would go off and do a commercial or, or a film, or he was starting to go to uh, getting called to Los Angeles more often, and I was behind him there, and so we, I was a, I was the big guy. Again, going back to Comedia, there were certain stock types, so somebody that you know looked like you, and you could fit into the costumes, and uh, you know you would possibly be the understudy, and then. Hopefully, they would choose you uh, to replace that person when uh, there wasn't a guarantee. But after, when they were, when it was time for them to leave, uh, hopefully, you would be next in line to get in. So I learned a lot from from watching them. I sat there 
for a couple of years in, in the touring company on what they called the bench. You sit there with Joyce Sloan, and uh, who's just a, a, a wonderful person. She's gone now, but uh, she was just the mother to all of us. And you'd sit there and you'd watch him and you would learn, you know. I mean, after uh, when I first saw Second City, I was so amazed at it because they, they were just doing it uh, on stage and they seemed to be working without a script and coming up with these funny lines and everything else. And the first time you see it, the first couple times you see it, I mean, you, you don't see all the strings. You don't see the technical things and it's just magical. Uh, but then you watch it for a while and you realize that there is a lot of technique to it. And a lot of things that you that you can learn by observing. So, in general, I would say you know the, my college professors were great. You know, at the University of Illinois, I was there at a, at a, at a really interesting time in Chicago when there was a, a, a literal re- renaissance going on in theater. I mean, that's when Steppenwolf was starting up, and uh, the organic theater. People like Stuart Gordon, and uh, there were you know there was things going on there that. It was amazing storefront type theater. Uh, you could be in Chicago and be an actor and still uh, not make a lot of money, but be able to make a living and not starve the way you would have to do if you were out in Los Angeles or in New York. It was a nice and a place that you could fail and learn your craft. So you know, so all of us working together and. Uh, not knowing that, that we shouldn't be able to do this and just doing it, which is what people did. They would just rent a storefront and put on a play and uh, ask people to come and see it, and then the papers in Chicago would support it. And the next thing you know, uh, there was another theater, another one bloom, you know, blooming across the street. And so there was people like David Mamet and all this. It's all happening in Chicago in the 80s and the in the early 90s. It was a great, great time to be there. So... The biggest answer to your question was working. Working teaches you how to act. And when you, when you're, uh, when somebody asks me and say, "How can I get into this? How can I do this?" I just my simple response is get on stage. Anywhere you can get on stage, anywhere you can get in front of an audience, and ply your craft. Do it as often as you can. The more often you do it, the better you'll be, and the better you are. The more you work, the more you work, the more you get paid. And uh, there you go. Hmm. Are you a music fan? You know, I wasn't brought up with that. I mean, I mean, uh, music as far as like Chicago blues or something like that, or just, uh, or, or just like, what's your taste in music? I've gotten much, you know, rather traditional. You know, I, I, um, uh, I listen to a lot of the standards now. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know. Rock and roll is fine with me. I mean, you know, like like Springsteen, I guess he's probably uh, considered one of the standards now. I guess you know he's getting it when you have your own station on uh, Sirius XM. I guess you know you're starting to become pretty traditional. Yeah, you know, and I like sta- I like standards uh, stuff. You know, I like Sinatra, I like Tony Bennett. I was just Randy Newman was just at the Hollywood Bowl just the other night. I, w- I really wish I would have known that I, I should have paid more attention to it. Because I would have liked to have gotten out to to hear him perform, you know. So, and I enjoy. Yeah, I used to enjoy folk music a lot too, and that has a renaissance every once in a while. But back when I was in Chicago, there was a big folk music scene, and uh, right across the street from Second City was a place called the Earl of Old Town, and then there was all sorts of bars that were up on Lincoln Avenue, like Holstein's and uh, somebody else's Troubles, and uh, people like Stevie Goodman and. 
John Prine and people like that used to play there. And that was just, you know, they were, again, they were just storefronts. And you go in there, there'd be 10 or 12 people sitting around and people just uh, telling the stories. It was, it was wonderful. It was, it was a great time to be in Chicago back back then. And then we were in the middle of something. And now people are starting to recognize it and, and write things about it. But it was... Uh, it was something back. It was something. It was right. It was really a good time to be there. I don't know why. It was just a gut feeling. I didn't have anything to go on, but I I thought for some reason that you were a Sinatra fan. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Intuition or what? I don't know. Well, you know, I I wonder if there is a time when you know because uh, I mean, my remember my dad used to listen to those songs and stuff and. I didn't like him, you know. I didn't like having to listen to him. My dad, you know, uh, I, I just just wasn't, you know, I, I didn't like it. Then all of a sudden, one day you get mature enough or maybe you have enough experiences under your belt, and, and then all of a sudden you realize that this 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 is really good. You know, this is, this guy knows what he's singing about. And uh, I don't know when that, when that light bulb went on, but it did for me at, at one point, you know, so... So, I mean, I don't know if that's, uh, I got smarter. Sinatra didn't change. I guess I, I, I learned a few things, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and you make your home in California. That's right. How's that? Well, today it's nice. You know, we're, we're having a lot of trouble with these wildfires out here. And, uh, you know, which is a little bit oppressive. It's uh, used to be that there was this fire season, you know, and, you know, things do have to burn here. I mean, that's, uh, they've been doing that. For a long time, but it just seems to be year-round now, and uh, you know the air is getting a little bit oppressive. I mean, it takes. What I heard, anyways, you know, is that I mean that the the, the winds are taking some of these uh, uh, smoke particles and everything else and taking them all all the way to Colorado and different places. And they have their own fires going too, but you know it's gotten uh, it's gotten rough out here. It's uh, with the fire season and all, or, or there is no fire season. It seems to go year-round now. But uh, today the wind is blowing, and they seem to have some sort of control over some of the fires, and hopefully uh, we'll get a handle on this. You know, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a great state. It's 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 terrible. I mean, it's terrible to see that. Uh, that I just hope it's not our future. I hope that this is you know that this is not some kind of world that we're entering into where the world is going to have this uh, kind of unbreathable air, because I can feel the difference. You know, on a on a good day in a day when you just feel like you're sapped of all your energy because the air is thicker than it than it, than it need be you know but but uh you know we're you know we're working at it you know every day we're trying to make it a little bit better if you could go back to the young mike Haggerty when you were beginning your acting career and give him any piece of advice what would you what would you say to him um you know, it, I, I've been very fortunate in many respects. People sometimes tell me, you know, uh, that they have friends of theirs that there's somebody who's considering a life in theater or a life in, uh, in you know, wanting to get into films or or whatever. But you know, I would, uh, you know, I would, I have a hard time finding somebody, you know, telling somebody not to try it if that's what they have to do. I, there's a lot of cliches out there as far as like if you can do anything else, do it. Well, I, I, or I, frankly, I, I couldn't do anything else. You know, I don't think I could, anyways. But people helped me, and uh, and doors opened for me, and uh, I didn't have to really do anything else. 
uh, besides what I what I love to do. So I would, you know, tell me to do it. I was a little foolish at first. I mean, I actually the first thing I did when I was a kid was I actually think I actually went to the phone book and looked up like talent agents or something like that. You can find them in in the phone book, but. Again, I would give my advice to me that I give to other people is to just to just work. You know, find a group of people, find a, a stage, uh, some um, non-equity production house that's trying some experimental things. And you know, not, there's nothing wrong with equity. I'm a member of Equity and SAG and and AFTRA. You know, but just to get on stage and do it. I mean, do it in college, do it in high school, do it. You know, and eventually. If you're any good, you know, or if, and if you're, you know, good and lucky, or lucky and good, eventually you'll, you know, you'll uh, get some kind of paying gig, you know, and then if that leads to something else, you know, then just keep on following that, you know, and then if it dead ends and all of a sudden you're not getting hired and not getting called or anything else, you have to be realistic about it too, you know, and and not sacrifice everything else for for some dream, but if the doors keep on opening and the money keeps on coming in and you keep on working and you're happy, then for, 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 for God's sakes, pursue it. I mean, the, the whole idea is like, you know, is that if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And um, it's, been, it's been good for me, so it's hard for me to tell friends of mine to say things like, uh, you know, well, try to talk them out of it or try to talk her out of it. It's hard for me to do that because it's 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 been you know, in the words you know it's been very very good to me. You know? <laughs> so I, so I you know so I I I just hope that people, I don't want to be the person to tell somebody, don't follow your dreams, but you also have to be realistic about it. I mean you know if you're not making any money at it, nobody's hiring you, and you haven't gotten uh, any gotten any of the auditions that you went on. Or if you haven't getting, gotten any auditions, you know it's time for maybe to consider something else. But if it's if the if the doors are opening, walk through, see what happens. Not just limited to acting. What would you say is the best thing about being Mike Haggerty? Um, my friends, you know, family. Uh, got a lot of friends. I mean, a lot of a lot of people and. Uh, so I mean, it's it's very uh, very important to me to have these people. Like I said earlier, I mean, I still have you know, there's a, a dozen or so, maybe more, well, kids that I still know from uh, from grade school, you know, that and uh, never, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there must be some falling out I must have had with somebody over the years. Sometimes you don't hold up your end of the deal and uh, and, and and reach out to them or. Or talk with them, and so I mean, you, there may be come a time when you were better friends, and somehow you you let that um, fall apart or, or go go away. But I got to say that most of the people, or everyone that I can think of uh, right now, that I have met and uh, and pursued and and stayed friends with, uh, we're you know still close, still in contact, and even if we're not talking all the time. When we see each other, we're we're glad to see each other. So that's good. I mean, that's that's uh, it, it's important to me, and um, I think it's important to them too. So there's no, nothing wrong with that, I guess. My last question, very sure. very open ended. 
just going to give you the stage. This is how I like to end my interviews. Just let you take the microphone. For anyone who's listening in, wherever they might be, what would you say to them? Well, if they're interested in what I've done with my life and things that I've been lucky enough to do, uh, I guess I'd just um, like to thank them, I guess. You know, uh, it's it's a contract that uh, an actor enters into, whether he's on stage or in film or uh, on television. And uh, the contract isn't complete until um, the audience signs in and the audience becomes a part of that deal. So I've been lucky enough to, to do what I've done. You know, for my life, I'll be 65 years old in May and uh, haven't had to do uh, much of anything else except entertain. And if uh, people enjoyed that and like what I've done, I'd uh, simply say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us. My pleasure. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. All right, sir. Have a wonderful evening. Until next time. All right, my friend. All right, thank you, and uh, best of luck with everything, okay? I appreciate that. All right. right. Bye-bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ThePaulLeslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.